Would you turn to Psalm 82? Psalm 82. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. I'm sure when we read that, we're thinking, who are the mighty? Who's he talking about? Well, look in verse 6 of the same psalm. I have said you are gods. That's the same word. Uh, remember when uh, the Lord told Moses with regard to Aaron, you're going to be to him a god, and he'll be your mouthpiece. He'll be your prophet. God standeth in the congregation of the gods, small g, uh, the reference being uh, authorities. That's the meaning, authorities. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods. How long will you judge unjustly? He's speaking to the small g gods, the authorities. How long will you judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. Now this is what these authorities are called upon to do. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, you are gods. And all of you are children of the Most High, but you shall die like men. And fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Let's pray. Lord, how thankful we are for your Son. How thankful we are for the salvation that's in him. How thankful we are for your word. How thankful we are for your grace, that salvation is utterly by thy grace. Lord, we ask in Christ's name that you would meet with us, as you promised you would in your word, where two or three are gathered together. And Lord, we wouldn't presume on your presence, but we trust for your presence. Speak in power for Christ's sake. Forgive us of our sins. We pray for your blessing upon this church we pray that you'd unite our hearts together to fear your name we pray for all your people wherever they meet together lord we pray for our friends that are sick we pray for your blessing upon them according to your will in christ's blessed name we pray amen now if i was going to give this um, psalm a name, I would call it the authority psalm. The authority psalm. 
And when we read these words of God, God's small g, this is not talking about small deities. This is talking about authorities. And that is exactly what the Lord said to Moses concerning Aaron. He said, you'll be to him a God. What you say is the same thing as me saying it. You'll be to him a God and he'll be to you a mouthpiece. And this is actually a rebuke to those who don't use authority properly. He says in verse one, God standeth in the congregation of the gods He judgeth among the gods. He judges these authorities. And here's the rebuke to these authorities. How long will you judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Here's what you're supposed to do. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy and rid them out of the hand of the wicked. Now, authority. Authority. Any authority, God placed it in that position. Do you remember when Pilate said to the Lord, don't you know I have power, I have authority to release you, and I have authority to have you crucified? What did the Lord say? He said, you could have no power or authority at all over me, except it be what? Given thee from above. Turn with me for a moment to Romans chapter 13. Verse 1. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, the authorities, government. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there's no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. You know who the president is this morning? The one God ordained to be. Do you know who the governor of the 50 states are? The one who God ordained to be. You know who's heading Russia right now? the one God ordained to be. The powers that be are ordained of God. And there are, every authority is their God place. Now let's go on reading. Verse two, whosoever therefore resists the power, resists the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation, condemnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same, this one who's in authority. For he, the one in authority, is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, not only to avoid punishment, but also for conscience sake, because it's the right thing to do. For this cause pay ye tribute, taxes, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore 
to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute's due, custom to whom custom's due, fear to whom fear is due, honor to whom honor is due. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth hath fulfilled the law of God. Now, God is the authority over authority. Psalm 62, 11 says, Power belongeth unto the Lord. And any authority that any man has is because God gave him. Power belongeth unto the Lord. He's the only one who inherently has power, and he has put authorities in place. And to resist the authority is to resist God himself. That's the teaching of Scripture. Now, somebody says, what if the authority is wrong? Well, that's true a lot, isn't it? What if the authority is wrong? Um, Any authority that tells me to do what God tells me not to do is to be resisted. Any authority that tells me not to do what God tells me to do is to be resisted. Other than that, the authority is to be obeyed. The laws are given to be obeyed, and to not obey them is to not obey God himself. And that's so important. And parents, the most important responsibility you have toward your kids is to teach them to respect authority. I can't emphasize the importance of that. If your kids do not respect authority, they're going to be failures in life. They're going to uh, not do well in school. They're going to not do well on the job. They're going to be trouble. Respect authority. Uh, The Lord has placed authority, the authority in the home. The man is the head. Now, that doesn't mean the man's a tyrant, but the man's to take the lead in the home and it's his responsibility to do so and to not do so is to resist what God tells you to do the man is to be the authority in the home Um, parents have authority over their children employers have authority over their employees the boss at work if you disobey him you disobey God it is that simple authority is so important uh, it's what God has placed there's authority in the church let me show you something in Hebrews chapter 13 I want you to look at this Hebrews chapter 13 verse 7 Remember them, Hebrews 13, verse 7, remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. And here's what the end is, Jesus Christ the same. If I am a pastor after God's own heart, this is the end of my conversation to believe and to preach Jesus Christ the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. And there's so much implied in the 
immutability of Jesus Christ. Oh, the changelessness of Jesus Christ. He's the same. And I'm to point you, if, I'm, if I have the rule over you, you know, that doesn't mean if I give you a command, you need to obey it. That, no, it doesn't mean that. It's obey them that are your guides, that are your leaders, that preach to you the word of God. Remember the end of their conversation? Jesus Christ the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. And if I am doing my job as a pastor, that's what I'm pointing to you to look to constantly. Jesus Christ the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Look in verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you. Now, does that mean uh, here's how much you need to give? Give this much. Don't go here. Buy this. Don't buy that. Stay. No, it doesn't mean that. It means be persuaded. Be persuaded. You know, uh, Peter, uh, when he was talking to the elders, he said, don't try being a lord over God's heritage, but be an example to the flock. Be persuaded by them that have the rule over you, that are your guides, and submit yourselves. This is talking about submission to the authority. For they watch for your souls as they must, that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For this is unprofitable to you. So in everything, job, home, church, whatever it is, there is authority. The powers that be are ordained of God. I want to show you a passage of scripture in Ephesians chapter 6, if you'll turn there, before we get back to Psalm 8, Ephesians chapter 6. Parents, teach your children to respect authority. Teach them to respect adults. It flips me out the way some uh, kids have such little respect for adults. Uh, don't let your kids get by with that. Teach them to respect all authority. Teach them to respect their teachers. Teach them to respect police officers. Teach them to respect whatever position of authority it is. Now look in Ephesians chapter 6. Children. Obey your parents in the Lord. There's a submission to authority. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It's the right thing to do. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Remember he said, you live a long life on the earth. Now, the point is, is if you respect authority, you're going to do well. You're going to do well in school. You're going to do well when you get a job. People who do not respect authority always struggle. There are problems everywhere they go. And that's why, you know, disrespect for authority is, is, is disrespecting people when it comes right down to it. Treat everybody with respect. Treat everybody with dignity. That's so important. I, I want to treat you in a way where I respect you, not where I uh, look down on you, but I respect you. And that's what obedience to authority is. It's a respectful attitude. There's nothing more ugly than disrespect. Let's go on reading. That it may be well with thee, verse 3, that thou mayest live long on the earth. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. With fear and trembling, in singleness 
of your heart as unto Christ. Remember, you're serving Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers. Not just doing it when they're looking at you doing what's right, but when they're not looking at you doing what's right. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of God doing the will of God from the heart with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good any good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether it be, whether it be bond or free. You masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing threatening, not mistreating them and threatening them, knowing that your master is also in heaven, neither is the respect of persons with him. Isn't that glorious, the way the Lord gives us this valuable instruction with regard to authority? Now back to Psalm 82. Verse 1, God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods, those he has placed in authority. He watches what they do. They're accountable to him. How long, now here is the complaint. How long will you judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? This is the accusation that's being made and there's plenty of that now here is the purpose of government and authority he says defend the poor and fatherless you know if if um if the because men are depraved because men are sinful the poor those that can't help themselves will be smashed by those who have power that's just the way it is not right, but it's the way it is. And the government, the authorities are called upon to defend the poor and the fatherless, to do justice to the afflicted and to the needy, to deliver the poor and needy out of the hand of the wicked. And if I don't do that, if I have some place of authority and I don't do that, here's what's going to happen. Verse 5, they know not, neither will they understand these people who do not Uh, do their responsibility and their positions of authority. They walk on in darkness and all the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, you are gods. Remember when the Lord quoted that in John chapter 10? When uh, they got angry with him because he, he said, you've made yourself equal to God. And then he quoted this scripture. And I'll be honest with you, I don't really understand it why he quoted this scripture. There was a good reason. I just don't know what it is. Uh, He said, does not the scripture say uh, you are uh, gods? And not too long ago, Lynn, you asked me what that meant. It's been several months ago. You might not even remember it. I said, I don't know. And you said, well, you're supposed to tell me. Well, I said, oh, (laughs) I don't know that one. But uh, this is the the, uh, uh, scripture he quotes. uh, Have I not said you are gods and all of you are children of the most high? But here's the, um, the uh, result of not using your authority properly. You shall all die like men and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth. You take care of all these wrongs, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Now, everything I've said is true. Everything I've said is important. 
Have I preached the gospel yet? No. No. The gospel is so powerful in this passage of Scripture, and this is the first application. Now, like I said, the other stuff is very important. Very important. I wouldn't want to take away from it, but if this is all I got out of this song, I missed it. So I told you to teach your kids to respect authority. That's a good thing. But where's the gospel here? Verse 1 and 2. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods. How long will you judge unjustly except the persons of the wicked? Now the gospel is a thing of absolute justice. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein in the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed. Now the point, I don't even know what word to use, the gospel is about the righteousness of God. It's about how God can be just and justify the ungodly. That's the message of this book. How God can be just, absolutely just, and look at somebody like me who in and of myself, I am ungodly. I'm sinful and say he's just and it'd be true. You know, I would say uh, in most churches in Lexington, Kentucky, in Kentucky, in the United States, this is not even an issue. How can God be just and justify somebody like me? That is the issue. That is the issue of the gospel. And here's what happens when people, um, when the authorities don't preach the gospel. How long will you judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? You know what that's talking about? Accepting somebody that doesn't believe the gospel. Just overturning uh, all the gospel and say, well, they're, they're, they're accepted, they've done this, they've done that, and it's a complete denial of the gospel. That's the point. You, you, if, I, if I look at somebody and say, you're accepted by God, you're pleasing to God, when they haven't believed the gospel, I'm denying the truth of the gospel. Now, how long will you judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Now, in verses 3 and 4, I think this is a, a clear description of uh, the believer, there are um, four. It says, defend the poor and fatherless, do justice to the afflicted and needy. Um, this describes a believer poor. Poor. Blessed are the poor in spirit. They don't have anything to bring to the table to save them. Fatherless. You know what that means? I know God is our Father, but that's talking about not only are they poor, they don't have any means of getting anything. <laughs> They're like orphans. They're fatherless. They don't have anybody to provide for them in and of themselves. They're fatherless. Not only are they uh, fatherless, uh, uh, they're afflicted. <laughs> afflicted. Oppressed with a sense of their own sinfulness, depressed with a sense of their own sinfulness. This is what the Lord's talking about when he talks about blessed are they that mourn, 
They mourn over their sin. They hate their sin. They hate themselves. They're afflicted. And they're needy. They have great needs. I need God's mercy. I need for God to elect me. I need Christ to die for my sins and put them away. I need for God the Holy Spirit to give me a new heart to believe his gospel. I need God to justify me. I need God to redeem me. I need God to preserve me. I'm needy. David described him, described himself this way so often. I'm poor and I'm needy. Now, here's what I need. I need the Lord to defend me. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice. Now that do justice, you know what it is? It's justify. It's justify. I need the Lord to justify me. Oh, I need the Lord to justify me. I need him to be just and yet justify me. I need that more than anything. I need the Lord to justify me. Deliver, verse 4. Deliver the poor and the needy and rid them out of the hand of the wicked. Now where that's not going on, the gospel's not being preached, they know not. (laughs) Neither will they understand. If the gospel not is not preached, somebody's not going to know these authorities, these gods, these supposed preachers. If the gospel's not preached, here's all that's going to happen. They're going to know not, neither will they understand. They'll walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course that way. I mean, there's nothing going right when the gospel is not preached. When we don't tell how God can be just and justify the ungodly. Now, The Lord says to these people, I've said you're gods. And all of you are children of the Most High, but if you're not doing what verses 3 and 4 say, but ye shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. You're going to die a horrible death. You're going to fall like one of the princes. Now here, This verse, arise, O God. What's that talking about? That's talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Arise, O God. Be raised from the dead. And there's where judgment takes place. The resurrection of Christ, there's judgment. All everybody Christ died for is justified. There's judgment. And everybody else is condemned, and it's a just condemnation. Judgment is seen most clearly from the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. Arise, O God. Judge the earth. And he does. Shall not the judge of the earth do right? Don't you love that verse of scripture? I I love what Abraham said when he was asking the Lord to spare 50. Then he got down to 40. Then 30, 20, 10. If you can find 10 believers, uh, I... I hope, and the Lord said, I'd, I'd spare him for 10, but I love what Abraham said. Shall not the judge of the earth do right? Now listen to me. We don't need to worry about anything. The judge of the earth shall do right all the time. And we have nothing 
to worry about. And we don't have to worry about our salvation because he rose, he rose from the dead. My sin was put away in a way that justifies and honors God's justice. He rose from the dead to save me. He was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. You know, I love Romans 14, 9, where it says, um, For this end Christ both died and revived, that he might be Lord of the dead and the living. He's everybody's Lord. They don't know it, but he's everybody's Lord. Every unbeliever, he's their Lord. He's in control of them. Every believer, willingly, he's our Lord. We love him being our Lord. The difference between an unbeliever and a believer, the believer loves his lordship. The unbeliever hates it. But that doesn't change the fact he's everybody's Lord. Arise, O oh God.